A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. You recall, brothers and sisters, our toil and drudgery, working night and day in order not to burden any of you. We proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God. How devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behave toward you, believers. As you know, we treated each of you as a father treats his children, extorting and encouraging you and insisting that you walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And for this reason, we too give thanks to God unceasingly, that in receiving the word of God from hearing us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it truly is, the word of God, which is now at work in you who believe. Verbum Domini. You have searched me, and you know me, Lord. Where can I go from your spirit? From your presence, where can I flee? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I sink to the netherworld, you are, pre you are present there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I settle at the furthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall guide me, your right hand hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall hide me, and night shall be my light. For you, darkness itself is not dark, and night shines as the day. Lexio Sancti Evangelii secundum Matthäum. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside 
are full of dead men's bones and every kind of filth. Even so, on the outside you appear righteous, but inside you are filled with hypocrisy and evil doing. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the memorials of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have joined them in shedding the prophets' blood. Thus you bear witness against yourselves that you are the children of those who murdered the prophets. Now fill up what your ancestors measured out. Verbum Domini. In the 17th century, there was an English Puritan minister by the name of Matthew Henry. He was a preeminent Bible commentator in his day. And it's reputed that he once remarked about certain religious leaders. When in the pulpit, they preach so well that it is a pity they should ever come out. But when out of the pulpit, they live so ill that it is a pity they should ever come in. This is what Jesus seems to be saying about the Pharisees as we come into his presence in chapter 23 of St. Matthew's Gospel to hear him exclaim the last two of seven woes that are recorded in this chapter, which he pronounces against the Pharisees. But why would he do that? What was so wrong with the Pharisees? They were highly regarded Jewish figures of their day, an important Jewish group which flourished in Palestine a century or so before Christ and about a century or so after he left us in human form. These men taught the scriptures. They taught, they were teachers. And when accurate, Jesus indicated they should be obeyed as he pronounced in the beginning of chapter 23 of the gospel, practice and teach whatever they tell you. The Pharisees believed in the existence of spirits and angels, the resurrection and the coming of the Messiah. So there was much common spiritual ground between Jesus and them. They believed in the scriptures and had made it their duty to obey even the smallest particulars of scripture. Their very name meant separated, meaning they were trying to separate themselves from all contaminations of sin. As such, the Pharisees were strongly committed to the daily application and observance of the Judaic law and insisted on strict ritual observance of the law and how it should be followed. Now, that's not necessarily a bad objective. They desired to incorporate personal holiness and awareness of God into every aspect of life, no matter how small 
or how obscure. The objective was to maintain purity from the sinful things of this world and remain devoted to God. Now again, very laudable and holy objectives. Unfortunately, by our Lord's time with us on earth, these good instincts had hardened into a fierce legalism. The Pharisees went beyond interpretation of scripture. Over time, regulations and traditions added by them went beyond human capacity to fulfill them and were considered more important than the law itself and were devoid of life-giving power. The underlying spiritual purpose, the awareness of God and everyday things had either been put aside or times forgotten. The spiritual foundations of the law, God's words, were ignored or overshadowed with a pretense to holiness versus a life of true holiness. The Pharisees sunk into vain righteousness and self-indulgence that burdened the faithful to the point of despair. It is as if the image of what they were trying to convey was more important than the reality of what they actually were. Thus, when Jesus states in the beginning of chapter 23 of St. Matthew's Gospel to practice and teach whatever they tell you, he then immediately follows with his instruction to not practice and observe what they do, for they preach, but they do not practice. This leads Jesus to admonish the Pharisees with woes of hypocrisy. They were pretenders of the faith. To illustrate, to illustrate their disparity between external trappings of holiness and religious perfection versus their internal blindness with hearts and minds filled with pride, contempt, and vanity. Jesus condemns the Pharisees because he knows their hearts and their true intentions. So Jesus exclaims the Pharisees are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but the inside, the interior, full of every kind of filth, and inside they were filled with hypocrisy and evil doing. Jesus continues with the accusation that while the Pharisees professed a high regard for the dead prophets of old, building beautiful monuments and tombs in their memory and honor, and claiming that they would never, never have persecuted and murdered prophets like their ancestors, they are in fact, of the same mold as the persecutors and murderers of old. They too possess evil, murderous hearts, which foreshadows the Pharisees' eventual condemnation and crucifixion of Jesus himself. Now the Pharisees, as a Jewish religious sect, were passionate and committed, but in a way that created a path away from God and this ached at Jesus' heart. And even though he gives these stern warnings of woe in chapter 23 of St. Matthew's, uh, Matthew's Gospel, his stern words 
are given in love, love for them and to call them to be aware of what they're doing for their own redemption. The words were a tug to awaken to what really mattered. The love and true devotion to Almighty God with the entire heart and one's entire spirit. Anything less is just not adequate. As Jesus once professed to St. Faustina, and as she recorded in her diary, souls without love and without devotion, souls full of egoism and self-love, souls full of pride and arrogance, souls full of deceit and hypocrisy, lukewarm souls who have just enough warmth to keep them alive. My heart cannot bear this. All the graces that I pour out upon them flow off them as off the face of a rock. So the Pharisees were correct. Everyone should be totally devoted to God in all things, great and small. They understood that devotion to God cannot be vague or purely spiritual. It must become concrete. It must be specific, incorporating every facet and action of our lives. But despite their Pharisees' initial good motives, they reduced devotion to external observance without an interior profound spiritual relationship with God. My friends, the lesson here should be clear. Observance of church discipline, even as strictly as we may do so, without the investment of our, ourselves interiorly, really doesn't benefit us. The Pharisees in that capacity, if we think about it, are really not unique. Any of us can sink into spiritual blindness, and Jesus' expression of his woes can equally apply to those we know or apply to us. It calls us to examine continuously where are we in our faith journeys towards Christ. It raises questions to ponder and prayers for self-knowledge and awareness. For example, are we true, humble servants that practice what we profess to others? By our action and deeds, are we true disciples of Christ, exemplifying his love and mercy? Do we exercise tolerance and patience and regularly examine our behavior to ensure our hearts and attitudes coincide and are parallel with what we profess and what we do. This applies again to all of us, to all Christians, to all Catholic Christians, and those who are especially in our lives or in our leadership positions within the church, within our communities, within our government, especially those who profess to be good Catholic Christians, yet they deny or they become cafeteria Catholics. They like some of the moral precepts of the church, but not others. Where they say there's a right to choose whether one should live or die, especially babies in the womb. 
where there isn't sanctity of life from natural conception to natural death, where we can play God and we could change our gender and our will because we feel how we were born into this life, how God created us, was inadequate or proper or correct. If we do these things, and if we, especially if we have leaders who would profess this or say it's okay because everyone has a right to choose, which we do. We all have free wills. God granted us to, that to us. But nonetheless, denial of these moral beliefs, these moral truths, these immutable loving truths of God puts those leaders at grave risk for their own redemption, and especially if they lead others into error and wrong thinking. So my friends, are we therefore creditable witnesses, both exteriorly and interiorly, to the Catholic Christian life, steeped in all its richness, all its beauty, all its truth, and all its strength? Would we, as the age-old popular church marquee often reads, if we were arrested for being a Christian, in this case a Catholic Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict us? Pray it would be so, as it was with the apostles, as it was with St. Paul, as it was with all the martyrs and saints of our holy Catholic faith. So in the end, are we truly incorporating what the psalmist David once sung? In sacrifice, my Lord, you take no delight. Burnt offering from us you would refuse. Our sacrifice, our contrite hearts, humble, contrite hearts, you will not spurn.